theyeshiva.net. Morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. So it's the we're holding on the bottom of the first column, Kufchaf, first column, two thirty nine. The end of the first column, three lines from the bottom, four lines from the bottom. When the kernel is complete, then the chaff ought to be removed and discarded. And then we have the halachas and the obligations of meiser, of trumas and meisters, of tithing. Usually 10%, it depends which meiser, sometimes it's 2% or 10%. And then v'asiri yiyakaydush l'ashem, then as the Pesach expresses itself about a different Maisa, Maisa Behema, that the tenth will become sacred for Hashem. Which this whole idea gives us an understanding. If you remember, it was we mentioned in the beginning that when Esav spoke to his father, so the Chazal say that Yitzchak loved Esav, Kitzayid Befiv. He would ask interesting questions, and one of the questions that he would ask is when they want to describe what type of question he asked. It was Ketzad Maasrin Asamelech Vasateva. How do you give Meiser from salt and from straw? How do you tithe salt and straw? Of course, both of these items are not. Obligated, we're not obliged to give meiser from these items because tevin, as we learned, what is straw? Straw is the stem of the stalk, which is not edible. It doesn't even contain kernels inside, it's hollow inside. It's the stem of it, it's the stick on the bottom. It's this part of the straw, as we learned. Tevin is this. So you can use it for your animals, you can use it for different purposes, for fuel, for bricks. But it's not. You don't have to give meiser from the tevin. You don't have to give meiser from the moits, from the chaff. You have to give meiser from the kernels, from the seeds that are inside. You have to give meiser from this, not from this, not from the moits, right? <laughs> so that the, this departs the bottom of the stalk, the tevin that gets discarded. The moits, the chaff gets discarded. You can use it for whatever you want. The halachas of meiser which represent a certain gili of Kedusha, the fact that it's already obligated in Shumas and Maestros. There are certain sacred obligations that apply apply to the, kern, uh, to the kernels. So Esau comes to his father and says, how do you give Maestros from straw? So on one level, it sounds that he's really holy. This kid doesn't only want to give Maestros from the seeds, from the kernels. He wants to give Maestros from the husk. He wants to give meiser from the tevin, from the straw. So it's extre- extremely, uh, extremely impressive. No dumb question. Huh? No dumb question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the question is, of course, the Mefarshim asks an interesting question. It's not the topic of our Shia today. What's the question, Ketzad Ma'asrin Esatevin? How do you give meiser from straw? What does the word meiser mean? Separation. The word meiser, meiser. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10
So if I ask you, how do you give 10% from straw? Well, how do you give 10% from anything? You answered your question in your question. How do you give 10% from money? You take the money and you take 10%. You have a dollar, so you take a dime and you give it away. What's the question? How do you give miser from straw? How do you give miser from anything? <laughs> you already answered the question. Miser comes from the word eser, right? May eser. So give Aldeke a question. <laughs> so there's different interpretations. You have to understand. Asaph was trying to be impressive. He wasn't trying to uh, to uh, leave a bad impression. He was trying to leave a good impression. But one of the explanations is that what's Tevin? Tevin is the clipper. Tevin is the shell. Tevin is the husk. Tevin is necessary, like Moitz is necessary. But what is it necessary for? It's necessary to nurture the kernel. It's necessary to protect the kernel. What's Esav's agenda? Esav wants that the Kedusha should be Chal on the Tevin itself. Esav wants that the holiness should be conferred on the straw itself. Not that the straw is a catalyst, a prerequisite, a hexter, a preparation for the Pnimius. He wants that the Kalipa itself the husk itself should have this concept of Asiri Yekaidish. The Kedusha shouldn't only be Chal on the Pnimius, on the inner core, on the truth of it. And the Klippa is important as a preparation, as a build-up, as a nurturer, as a, as a protective guardian angel, so to speak, as a husk, as we explained at length, the functionality and the great purpose of, of the chaff through the winter months, the rainy season, and through the summer months, the months of uh, often scorching heat. Ace of Wands, that the Tevin itself, the same as should, should have the Kedusha. The Klippa itself should have the Kedusha. The same as with salt. What do we use salt for? Anybody cooks? To enhance the food. To enhance the food, yeah. You don't have a person say, what did I have for breakfast? I had salt today for breakfast or for dinner. On the other hand... You didn't put in salt into the salad. Feldzalz, the soup needs salt, the chalot needs salt. Too much is not good as well. Exactly. Hayy says. Sometimes if there's no salt, felt the tam, the taste is missing. So salt is something, huh? I'll call carbon of melach. So salt is an ingredient, it's an important ingredient, but as what? As an enhancement for the food. What happens when salt becomes independent from the food? It's quite bitter. You don't make a meal out of salt. On the other hand, when you put the right amount of salt into the food, ah, geschmack. Sometimes it makes the difference between something that's delicious and something that's bland. It's bland. I salt is bitter. You're right. If you put too much salt, but if you put in the right amount of salt, not only does it not uh, become a detriment for the food, it contributes a beautiful, fla- a wonderful flavor and taste to the food. And the great chefs know exactly the amount. And always, sometimes we know you start eating a kugel and you say too much salt. There's a story that once Reb Shleimah Karliner, Reb Shleimah of Karlin was a student of Reb Aaron of Karlin, Reb Aaron Hagadol, who was a student of the Magad. He was one of the great spiritual masters of his day. And he once came to visit the Balatanya. 
in his city in Lyajna. So it was a very big event. And uh, the household made a meeting. They decided to make a big sud, a big feast, for this great tzaddik, of Shlem Kalin, who was renowned for his holiness and righteousness. And uh, it's a, everyone wanted the schus to, to be part of this uh, meal for him. So they split up the jobs between the Anshay Abayas. They split up the jobs. You do this, you do that, for the prepare the meal. The one thing they didn't discuss is who's going to put in the salt. So at the end, everyone thought to themselves, you know, I have a merit. I could do something more. I'll put in the salt. They didn't discuss the salt. So everybody thought the same thing. That's what they found out later. And uh, everybody put in salt. So they served the, the yoich, I think it was, the soup. So the Shlem Kalina took a spoon. And he put it into the soup, and he put it into his mouth, and he uh, <laughs> wasn't edible. It was too gizalt and it was too zun. So politely he moved away, uh, he moved away the soup. The balatanya was sitting near him, and he continued eating. He finished the soup, and then he turned around, and he said, Favos estinished, why don't you eat? And he says, become an assassin, I don't know how you ate it, it's too, it's too salty. So Balatanya told him that from the day I stepped foot into Mizrich, from the day I went to Mizrich to the market, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't notice this. I don't notice these types of things, so I didn't notice it. But everybody understands that too much salt is going to ruin it. What does Esau say? Esau wants that the salt should be holy. He wants you should give mice from salt. The klal is that Kedusha is chal on pnimius, not on chitzainius. The clip is important, but it's external. It's a chitzen. Literally, it's on the outside, and functionality, it's on the outside. Kedusha always relates to the, to the core, to the pnimius, to the mohus, to the essence. Who is Kripus Moga? Yeah. That's yeah. what we're talking about? Yeah. Isn't there something crawling in? Its purpose is to be Megala the Kedusha. But it's not, doesn't exactly. Yeah. And, that, that's how it bec- and that's how it becomes Kedusha. That's how it serves the Kedusha. What does this mean in the Avoida of a person? What does this mean? There are things that are like salt in your life. What does it mean, salt in your life? A person, for example, has certain struggles. They're salty, <laughs> they're bitter. They're not delicious. This person has certain struggles. There are people that struggle very much in issues of intimacy. There are men sitting in this room and in other rooms who struggle a lot with this. There are teenagers who struggle with this. It's different types of struggles. The nature of the struggle, Alam the nature of the struggle is different. But there's a lot of struggles in this area. Or any other area, people have individual struggles when it comes to moral questions, when it comes to moral issues, psychological issues, emotional issues. They're very salty. How do you look at all of these things? Esav wants that the salt itself, you should give Misa from salt. He doesn't understand that the function of the salt is to serve as an enhancement for the food. You see, there's two opposite extremes and approaches, and both are off. One approach is 
salt, garbage, disgusting, repulsive. I don't have it. I can't have it. It's too bad. And if I do, I'll deny that I have it. And if I can't deny that I have it, I'll get depressed that I have it. I'll go for sugar that I have it. That's one approach. The other opposite approach is, I have it. I should flaunt it. I should be comfortable with it. I should talk to everybody about it. I should change my identity. I should redefine myself because I have this. Pride. Identity pride. I have this. You see the two extremes? Uh, One is, I amputate it. It doesn't exist. It's too shameful. It's too embarrassing. It means I'm a horrible person. So either I repress it my whole life, which means I go into denial, or I feel extraordinary guilt and shame, and I get mad and insane in that way. So then there's the opposite approach, very well known in today's day, which is you have something, not only is it not a cause of shame, it's a cause of celebration. If you have to redefine identity, yeah. If you have to redefine gender, it's all Zion. If you have to redefine marriage, it's all Zion. But the main thing is, if it's in me, it must be the best thing in the world. And people often pit the two approaches. One is, so to speak, the religious fundamentalist approach. And one is the more liberal, open-minded approach. But the emphasis is, both approaches have a common denominator, and they're both not typhus and akudah. And very often, people in the Jewish world, in the religious Jewish world, don't even understand this. And that is when somebody has a struggle, it's not always their fault. It's not a shameful thing. It's not something you should look in the mirror and say, look what a despicable, horrific person I am. A person has to be able to have compassion for their struggles. But then there's step two. Realizing that the fact that I have this struggle doesn't mean I have to worship it and make it holy. This is like salt. And like straw. This is the concept of a klipa. It's a shell. What's the function of salt? To enhance the food. The right amount of salt enhances the food. Every struggle a person has in life allows them awareness, gives them the opportunity for growth, for development, to challenge themselves, to bring out things in themselves that are extraordinary deep. So the struggle is a catalyst. It's a hachana. It's a hechsher mitzvah. It's a springboard for meiser. It itself is not meiser. When Yaakov comes out of the womb, yodoy oichezes ba'kev Esau. Why is he called Yaakov? Because he's holding on to the heel of Esau. He's holding on to the heel of Esau, right? So Esau is, so to speak, going out. And Yaakov, so how do we always understand Yaakov wanted to get ahead of him. So he was holding on to his heel, like, you stay back, I want to come out. Okay, so this is what they see. So they decide to name him Vayikrushma Yaakov. What does Yaakov mean? A heel. Why? Because he's holding on to his brother's heel. What do you say if you would have twins? And one of the twins is holding on to the other one's heel, so that's why you name him heel? And from a psychological perspective, what does that do to a child? Why is my name Yaakov? Oh, because it means a heel. Why? Because my heel was cute? No, because your brother's heel was cute. Interesting. So my whole name is not even about me. It's about my brother. And not even my brother. My brother's heel. Wow, so where am I in this picture? (laughs) And yet this is the basic Jewish name. We have here quite a few 
distinguished Rabbi Yaakov's. Okay. Ela told us Yaakov Yosef. There's a beautiful word from the Vilna Gon. The Yodo Yoichezes by Cave Esav is quite literal. What happens when you're holding on to somebody's heel and they're moving? <laughs> what happens? You get schlepped. You get dragged. The Yodo Yoichezes by Cave Esav. Esav is, 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 is trying to come out. He's pulling Yaakov. Yaakov is holding him by his heel. And he's really pulling Yaakov. He's pulling Yaakov. What does this mean? It means actually that Esau allows Yaakov to transport himself, to journey. What Saul does to food. Every struggle a person has is an invitation for deeper growth, for deeper awareness, for deeper self-realization. You don't have to amputate it and deny it and repress it and crush it and feel that you're the most despicable person, but that doesn't mean you should worship the struggle. And say, because I have the struggle, it means it's the most, the best thing in the world, and therefore I worship it. No. Its very functionality and purpose is to serve as an opportunity for you to elevate yourself. Through this, you will become elevated like no other, like no other thing. Like no, nothing else can elevate you. It's, it's a challenge. Sometimes it's tough. Because you have to subdue, and you have to confront, and you have to... Be aware, and sometimes you have to say no and reject or transform. Depends on the situation. That's Esav's real function. Esav's real function is to bring Yaakov to a place where he could never be on his own. And then the two brothers become one. They become united in the real functionality of Esav. Comes Esav to Yitzchak and says, no, 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 let's change the game. I want to give Meiser from the salt. I want to give Misa from the straw. I want the salt itself to be celebrated. We're going to put the salt on a pedestal. We're going to make a parade for all the strugglers. So that's a very powerful idea. That Esau elevates Yaakov. The Esau in every person is there to elevate you. Esau struggles. Esau in the womb already struggled. It wasn't his fault. So there is compassion and empathy for the struggle. The struggle with evil doesn't make you evil. Could Aesop actually attend his own lecture? <laughs> so this was Aesop's Mahala. Aesop said, no, I don't want to work with Yaakov. I want the salt itself to, to get through my mice. I want the straw to have my sir. Wasn't he at the other end of the extreme? That's the idea, yeah. That's the ultimate. That's what he was. That's the ultimate downfall. Some said that he wasn't such a Ritzik, but he had he had Ritzik in other senses. In other words, when he asked for a bracha later on, he was asking for a bracha. Esau had tremendous potential, but that potential could only be realized by dealing and overcoming tremendous temptation and inclinations. And the same is true with every single person, in their own way. That's why it says in many places that the shayrish, the source of Esav's neshama was deeper than Yaakov. That's why Yitzchak wanted to bless Esav. Yitzchak had a special relationship with Esav. It wasn't a stamma mistake. In potential, Esav's soul was a great soul. But for his greatness to be achieved, he had to be able to put his struggles in the context of Kedusha, not separate the straw, separate the salt, and turn it into its own idol. 
Hasiri Kaidish Lashem is on the Pnimius, not on the Chitsainius. So all clippers serves a purpose as a shell, as a husk. And the same is true on a much higher level, on a much more sublime level, when we speak about the straw and the chaff versus the kernel. The chaff protects the kernel. What is that? That's the shminis shebeshminis of the Talmud Chachem. That sense of deep, deep self-value and self-dignity. And that is the only preparation for what could come ultimately which where there is complete oneness. Complete oneness. This was Esau's mistake. Ketzad Ma'asrin HaSamalich Vasatavah. Rabbi mentioned um, uh, um, a vulnerability to intimacy. So that could be like someone's very withdrawn, and if it goes the other way, it could be someone becomes very promiscuous. Yeah. Yeah. People struggle with promiscuity. But they really have a a vulnerability. Yeah. There's different types of struggle. I'm not getting detailed because there's so many different types. My point is, a person has to look at themselves. And identify, there's people who struggle terribly with anger. Anger. They blow up, they lose it. on their wives, their children, themselves, other people in the office. Yeah. Tempers, their tempers are just explosive. There's people who str- struggle with many other types of midos that are very challenging. Yeah. Whether it's laziness, or fear, or panic, hysteria, depression, melancholy, jealousy. Jealousy, right? Anger, very deep anger. Annoyed at the world, annoyed at everybody. And so, no, I could... (laughs) You want to make a checklist? (laughs) Etc., etc. So... Or can we just say the opposite of Esau? We're always saying, taking the bad, and that's where you get the bitter. That's exactly what Esau wanted to do. He wanted to take the soul, the terrible stuff. You want to take it, but you want to make it great. We prepared the opposite of what we're saying. We're saying. Yeah, exactly. Esau's error is that the salt itself becomes the tachlis. Instead of salt being seen as an enhancement for the food, you don't make a meal out of salt. You make a meal out of food. But without the salt, it's not the same food. The, the grain grows, you have the kernels, but you need the straw. The straw is an important part, and it has its use. It has its no, your animals have to eat. <laughs> Michael Bame is very important, and that's how it grows. And without that, you're not going to have a kernel. He's asking, how do I take my dad and the great? On a deeper level, you yeah, say. Sure. Okay. Fine. You're being Malamut Schuz, that Ace of Habirur was really saying. So that's, but that's the answer. That the way Melech and Tevin become Kedusha is when they realize that their function is to be a clipper. That's the issue. The moment they forget that they're clippers, that they're shells, they actually become of a great distraction. When I'm identifying a struggle in myself, I could look at it in two ways. One is, again, three ways. One is, I can't deal with it, so it doesn't exist. What then happens is you're not an honest person, and as, as some of you know very well, that path leads to nowhere because the, everything gets just buried inside, right? And it, uh, 
and and it it gathers it gathers momentum and steam until uh, it takes you over, and usually yeah, the fall afterwards is much worse because you didn't deal with it. So that approach, I hope it's pretty clear that it doesn't work. So now you have the opposite approach, right? The opposite approach is okay. I'm not ashamed of anything. It's all wonderful. It's how God wants me to be. As everyone said, this is how God wants me to be. Why should I tame it? Why should I discipline myself? Why should I fight it? This is who I am. You don't like me? You jump into the lake. This is who I am. That's the, 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 the motto of today. This is who I am. Can you make peace with who I am? Take it or leave it. Huh? Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. The problem is you suffer from phobias. So you're a narrow-minded, moronic, fundamentalist, ultra-orthodox cult member. And that's why you can't accept diversity. As somebody once said, the only real one thing we all have in common is diversity. <laughs> and that's true. Now, like in everything, every clipper has a nitzutz. In these words, there's a truth. Because there are many people who suffer from phobias. Oh, you struggle? I don't deal with you. We're perfect. <laughs> We're perfect people. We don't deal with people who struggle. And that's, of course, a delusion. And that's, of course, foolish. And it's dishonest. I have to be able to have empathy for people's struggles and for my struggles. And it's not a blame game. It's not about judging it. But then comes the appreciation. Who am I? Who am I really? Just because I'm experiencing a struggle, I don't have to reduce my entire identity to that struggle. Maybe that struggle is there for me to be able to crystallize my innermost core and actualize my deepest potentials. And that's where a person makes a mistake. If you see it as a shell, if you see it as a clipper, actually it will become a source of holiness. I think I told you an anecdote once. There was a fellow who went into a bar, and uh, I shared it with you, you know, and he, he drank a cup, and he threw it at the bartender's face. The guy says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm ashamed, because I had an abusive upbringing, and this is how I act. I throw glasses. He says, okay, I'm sorry for your upbringing. The next night it happens again. He says, what now? He says, I'm so ashamed for my dysfunctional and horrible behavior. It happens the third time, he says, listen, if you don't want me to call the police, you better go to therapy and deal with this. I can't be the victim of your rage and your toxicity. So he disappears, and after nine months, he comes back to the bar, takes a, fills up a drink, downs it, takes the glass, wow, right at the bar, and says, what now? He says, I went to therapy, and now I'm not ashamed anymore. You understand the difference? Don't judge yourself for the fact that you have rage in you. The fact that you have so many stuff going on in you. Don't judge it. And don't turn yourself into a horrific person because of it. This is part of your shlichus. But what's your shlichus? Your mission is to deal with it, not to sanctify it. To deal with it, to look at it, to refine it, to subdue it, to transform it, to confront it. Not to turn it into Kedusha. Not to turn it into the ultimate peak of spiritual experience. That deadens the entire journey of the human spirit towards truth, towards, towards depth. Basically, whatever I'm feeling at any moment becomes holy. 
It's it's the most superficial, the most superficial way of living life. So when the clipper is seen for what it really is as a clipper, it can actually become an accessory to kedusha. It becomes an indispensable part of holiness. That's what we once spoke of the Mari Nayim, Reb Nachum Chernobyl, who has a Torah in Parshas Vayishlach. And he brings the Gemara, it says in Meseches Yuma, Habola Tayir Mesayin Loi, Habola Tomei Poischin Loi. Somebody comes to be cleansed, we help him. And somebody comes to become Tomei, if somebody wants to contaminate themselves, the Gemara says, they open the door for him. Poischin Loi, they open the door for him. So literally it means that the Rebbeinu Shalom gives people choice. He doesn't close the door. You want to contaminate yourself? As our Russian comrades say, Pajalista. Here, the door's open. Doesn't say, Messiah, I'm not going to help you. We open the door. The Moirinayim, Reb Nachem Shanobler, he writes something very, very profound. It's based on this point. When somebody feels that they want to contaminate themselves, they should realize that this very inclination is their Pesach. It's their gate, to quote him, to Ruach HaKadosh. This is their Pesach to Ruach HaKadosh, to divine inspiration. This is Pischuli Shari Tzedek. Open up the gates of justice. Let me enter them. If there's something that's really making me mishiga, and it's inviting me to contaminate myself, so I could look at it and say, Oi, I'm such a disaster. I'm such a despicable lowlife. Why couldn't I have been created like this person? He says, No, no, no. Relax. Take a deep breath. Poishinloi. If you can deal with this, this will be your gate to God. Not only should you not be ashamed, in many ways you should embrace the opportunity. But embrace the opportunity. Don't embrace the addiction. (laughs) Every addiction is like the heel of Esau. It's a heel. Don't turn the heel into a head. Hold on to the heel and let yourself be carried by it. But doesn't mean you turn the heel into a head, which is ultimately why Yaakov has to change his name. It's here to heal you. Very good. The heel is here to heal you. That's Nuchem's poetic side coming out. That's what the Gemara says in Yuma Pegim. And Nochem is Meloshin Nechama. This is a very comforting idea in life. Reb Tanchuma. Why? Because it allows you to embrace every part of you without the need to deny, to be ashamed, to judge. It allows you to be with you in a very real way. But without jipping yourself, without depriving yourself of real growth. And I find a lot of people have a difficulty with this. They go either to this extreme or the other extreme. I was interviewed on the radio about homosexuality. It's a very hot issue today. And uh, the, per- uh, so the discussion on the radio, the person was saying, so, so, so the question, somebody called, somebody wrote a letter, 
So, so this is evil, right? So, so these people are evil. Yeah. These people are evil, and that's it. No, wait, it's very easy, black and white. I'm good, you're evil, and that's it. The problem is, until the person finds out it's in their own family, what happens then? It's very easy to speak about strangers. What happens when it's in your own family? And that's why we have to cultivate a much more, a deeper and more godly perspective. This is not less Tayyidic, this is more Tayyidic. And that is, empathy for somebody who's struggling with something does not mean that the struggle itself becomes sanctified. And doing it becomes the right thing. And it's not a contradiction. On the contrary, I can really empathize and simply have empathy, compassion for what people go through without judgment because you can't judge somebody until you don't reach their space. And like the Svasemis writes, and you're not going to reach somebody else's space. So you go into my boots and walk a thousand steps in this weather on the ice and the sleet and the snow and slip a few times and then maybe you'll understand what this person who wears these boots his whole life is experiencing and then you'll gain perspective so there's a certain humility that's necessary be attentive, listen, appreciate, understand but this doesn't mean that now every behavior becomes holy and sacred what if it's destructive for you? If somebody, Rahman al-Islam, has cancer, or somebody is suffering from diabetes, or somebody is suffering from a heart condition, no normal, responsible person says, okay, so now we're going to turn cancer into the best thing in the world. Identity pride. We do everything we can to get rid of it. Do we have empathy? Do we blame the people? It's ridiculous. What if somebody has, unfortunately, a terrible struggle that's destructive? We can have empathy. But you turn that into a source of pride? Do you turn it into a source of shame? It's not a source of shame. It's an opportunity for you to fulfill your mission in the world. And sometimes those opportunities come with a lot of pain. There's a pasuk in Tehillim, May oivai techakmeni. David HaMelech says, May oivai techakmeni. What does it mean? Literally it means, make me smarter than my enemies. Let me be one step ahead of the game. Yeah. Literally. There's a touch from the Balatanya, very deep. From my enemies, I will become smart. From my enemies, I will gain wisdom. Which enemies? From my own. From those things that are driving you crazy, you will become the smartest. If there's something in your life that is frightening you, don't run. You're going to become smart from that. If there's something that's overwhelming you, if there's something that's driving you crazy, if there's somebody who triggers you, and you come home and you can't stop thinking, ooh, good stuff. Good stuff. Stay with it. You'll find that a lot. This doesn't mean the trigger is wonderful. <laughs> it means the trigger is a clipper. It's a shell that's protecting something. It's holding on to kernels. It had to be there, because if they're not the klipa, you wouldn't have the kernels. So respect, have compassion for the trigger. <laughs> the trigger is mamish a husk that contains seeds of truth. 
it contains kernels of wheat on which you could make a bracha, hamaytzi lechem in order to burn him in a mezainus and give meiser and truma hasiri yekaidish. And the truma becomes holy, sacred food, like karbonus, like kachim. And without the husk, you would have never had that kernel. In other words, this trigger is your brain's way of protecting this truth. The hesnochem. This is serious stuff. This trigger is a husk. Sit with it. Let it be. Because inside is good truth. If you run away from it and say, no, 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 I don't have triggers. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm, I, I don't deal with this. I'm beyond clippers. <laughs> you know what you just did? You failed yourself. Every neshama has a shlichus in this world. How do you know what your shlichus is? One of the ways of knowing it is what you have the most resistance to. I don't mean jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge. That's good resistance. But there's things that you know. There's resistance. There's deep resistance. Usually over there lay part of your avoida. That's why there's resistance, because this is part of your mission. So the resistance itself makes you wise. Your enemy matures you. Your enemy helps you grow. The heel of Esav is here to pull me up, not to pull me down. I could look at it and say, oh, Esav, the worst of the worst. No. Esav is your brother. It's here to pull you up, not to pull you down. When Esav and Yaakov become detached, that's when you have the challenge. That's the short answer to your question. There's longer answers, but that's the short answer. You have to tune into the pnimius of the struggle, not the chitzonius of the struggle. This is not easy. This needs awareness. Because when we have those triggers, we get caught up in it. You know, we get, we get trapped. And it becomes, the shell becomes everything. You have to know that in the shell there's a kernel. You have to be able to zoom out and relax and see the whole perspective. And make mends and apologize if you have to apologize. But then learn from it. And when you learn from it, so you're a much smarter, wiser, deeper, and more real person. A Jew once told me, he's, a, he's a, an Oyved Hashem, he serves, he serves God, which means he looks for truth. The two are synonymous, should be synonymous told me that he has a tremendous struggle with food. Tremendous. Which some of us can relate to very well. Not all of us, but some of us. Including the speaker. It's called Taiva Sachila. But Taiva Sachila is the language in Svarim. In English, it's called an addiction to food. Or to binging. Or a tremendous love for food. And he worked on it. For, he worked on it for a long time. And he told me that when he sees a piece of cake, white flour and sugar, those are the two uh, triggers, to something, he gets very excited. He pushes gets excited. And he realizes if he's getting so excited about it, there has to be something there. But how do you figure that out? Because what your mind tells you is, I just want the cake. I just want the pasta. I just want the ketchup. I just want the cheesecake. I want the babka. I want the pizza, whatever it is. Your brain is a, it's a husk. It's not telling you everything because it's protecting you. Our brains are trying to do the best to protect us. That's why we develop all these habits. The brain is just doing what it knows best. 
It's a mites. A lot of our brain is really chaffs protecting seeds of truth. So he said what he does is he'll look at it and he won't eat it. And he'll, he watches all the emotions that come up in this act of abstinency, in this these moments of abstaining himself. You know, there's such a conflict. Eat, eat, eat. And he tells himself, no, no, no. If I'm going to eat this, besides the fact I'm not going to feel good, Nayla, okay, after two hours I'll feel good again. After six hours the immune system will come back to normal. I'll give up six hours for a piece of babka. People make worse, worse, worse investments in life. He says it's much worse. If I eat this, what I'm doing is I'm cutting I'm cutting out, the, I'm, I'm depriving myself from an unbelievable opportunity of learning who I am. Imagine you could sit in front of a great master for a few hours and he can tell you deep stuff about yourself and you just throw it in the garbage and you go eat something. What a missed opportunity. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm failing myself. It's such an opportunity now for me to learn what I'm really looking for. And when I sit with it, it becomes so difficult not to eat it. And I only realize that the eating is trying to numb a pain. That's why I need it so much. I'm not starving. It's not like somebody didn't eat for two days or for, in our case, 40 minutes, we understand. But he just ate two minutes ago. So the shot is the body is full. So what happens? The food is is doing something for me. It's going to give me a pleasure that I'm looking for. Why am I looking for it? Because I'm looking to go away from something, usually. What is it? Some trigger, some pain, some anxiety, some trauma, some suffering. And if I go and eat it, it's mamish, mamish, I'm deleting all the data that has access to my soul that tells me about my trauma and my issues and my pain. How can I do this to myself? And it, it was a very profound observation. This is the classic example of a shell that's containing the kernels don't run away from it. But don't say, oh, I want to eat, eat. I just want to be me. You're not being me. You're running away from me. <laughs> You're running away from me. Vardaya, tomorrow you need more. Vardaya, you don't feel good after. So you could be me, but you're not being me. You're running away from me. There's no functionality. On the other hand, if you see it as a klipa, you could respect it as a klipa, and then it brings you to great heights. It's this very temptation that allowed me this awareness I would have never had. And the same is true with everything in life. But a person told it to me last week, and it was a very, uh, it was a profound observation on himself and a, a profound way of living. This is called avoidus Hashem. This is called avoid. This is called serving gods. This is called looking for truth. Is it always something bad in there? Maybe it's a source of something always good. Ain't a Like when people eat chocolate, they feel the. Ain't a chanam. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes a piece of chocolate is wonderful. Every person has to be honest with themselves what it is. Usually when I just ate five minutes ago, (laughs) and I'm quite full, and my body doesn't need it. In fact, for my body, it's actually pretty destructive. Right? Especially when there's diabetes in the family. Usually it's something else. Besides trying to enjoy the nutrients in God's cosmos. (laughs) You need the flavonoids. Huh? Yeah. And you could sometimes learn from animals. I never saw a sheep or a horse say, you know, I would love the potato chips, but next week I have a wedding, i got to look skinny in the pictures. Somehow they eat what they have to eat. So, zine grass is grass. Hay is hay. 
when we juice wheatgrass, it's like $20 an ounce. You ever go to these health stores? $20 an ounce for wheatgrass. You would only be a horse and a sheep. That's what you would do all day. You wouldn't have to pay $20 an ounce. We eat, people eat wheatgrass and they feel human and sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, two, three ounces of wheatgrass. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'vracha. It's actually chemically, it's very close to Huh? Yes, yes, yeah. It has to be expensive. You're right. If you take a short defend. There's a vart from the Baal Shem, it's a beautiful vart. It says in Tehillim, which the Baal Shem instituted to say Erev Shabbos before Mincha. By many chsidim, they say Hoidu. Erev Shabbos before Mincha. It comes from the Baal Shem Over there, there's an expression, because the Baal Shem said during the week, you usually go through all the four issues of Arba Chayavim Lahoidus. You go through oceans. And you go through deserts, and you go through prisons, and you go through traumas. So Erev Shabbos, when you're about to welcome Shabbos, for the four things. It's a beautiful takon of the Baal Shem Tov. You'll see in the Chesidosh Shul's Erev Shabbos before Mincha, they say, you know what I'm talking about, yeah? Kapitel Kovzayim. Over there there's a posik, Re'evim gamtsmeim nafsham behem tisatov. They're hungry, they're also thirsty. Their soul is praying. So the Baal Shem Tov once said, a very deep vart, a person is hungry and thirsty. He's hungry and thirsty. Those are the words. It's not just he wants the food. His soul is looking for the nitsutsus, for the divine sparks, for the divine energy in the nutrients of food. That's real eating. <laughs> That's real eating. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. My body is hungry and thirsty. That's essential to life. That's a good thing. So don't only think you're stam physical. The soul is also looking for something in the food, for the Nitzvah Sometimes, now, the opposite. Same idea. Everything that exists in one direction exists in another direction. The soul is looking for something in the food. But you know what? Not for the nutrients. The soul is looking for the most external layer of the food to distract me from what I would want to deal with. So the soul is also looking for it. It's in the bicycle. <laughs> Very good. What's the Eitzah? Vayitzako al Hashem. Vayitzako al Hashem means I got to sit with the pain and scream to God and say, help me out. Help me out. You have a person who went through during his youth uh, very, very difficult challenges. There's not a week goes by that he doesn't ask himself the question, why didn't they just kill me? Instead of abusing me, they should have killed me. Those of you who can't relate to this question, you should say, But there are those who relate to this question, they only relate to it, they ask this question. For them, waking up in the morning and saying, hey, I'm alive, is not a simple thing. For many people, it's not a simple thing. How are they supposed to look at this? How are they supposed to view it? They can't get... It's very nice to press, you know... Uh, or, or, right. If you press delete, then everything gets deleted. But I can't. You can't delete your past always. You can't. I can't just obliterate it as though it never happened. When he was three, something happened. When he was six, something happened. When he was eight, something happened. And not with a hefzik. It was ritzufus. And nonstop... Why him? I don't know why him. Why her? I don't know the answer to this. But the question is, well, how is the person supposed to look at it? 
So people go in opposite extremes. Some people just feel so guilty about themselves. They blame themselves. And so filled with shame. I'm the worst person in the world. I must be so sinful. You were three years old, for heaven's sake. In the previous Gilgal, I was sinful. Now they're making cheshbonas to justify their abusers. Or they deny and crush and repress. And then there's the opposite extreme. And the opposite extreme is, I become so, it's so painful, I, I need to distract myself so much, I become a junkie. I become a junkie on whatever I could find. And I justify it, and that becomes my life. And I have to, because it's too hard to go into those secrets. It's just too painful. And this is where this, this is not anymore sheer. This, everything else, it's a nice sheer, but it doesn't become a sheer at this point. This is where real, real work is necessary. This is, this is the etzem, the etzem of Yiddishkeit you touch here. When a person could, be, could, could cry, when a person could feel the pain, when a person can experience it, and experience it with everything that comes with it. And then a person could look at all of it and say, and you are going to grant me the profoundest awareness of the type of person I want to be, and the type of person I want to become. I will not let the abuser have the final victory over my brain. I will be the one, my soul is more powerful than my abuse, and therefore I will be the ultimate victor. I will put you in context. You don't put me in context, and that's the whole difference. The salt and the straw has to be in the context of the seed. You don't put the seed in the context of the, of the straw. I will put you in, my, in context. In other words, I will define you. You will not define me. How will I define you? I will define you as the greatest catalyst for my growth. I have learned, I will learn from you what it means to be a normal person, what it means to be a kind person, what it means a person to have empathy, how to be able to help other people who have been through this. Nobody can help them like me, because I, I know what it is. The Torah, when it tell, tells the Jewish people, hager, you should love the convert, always often adds, Ki you were converts in Egypt. What's this how you suffer? So different Mepharshim give different explanations. One of the most powerful is, you suffered as refugees. When you suffer with something, you could respond in two ways. Either you could repress it and run away from it, A. B, you could perpetuate it and do to others what has been done to you. What I want you to do is neither of those. Look at your past and say, because I know what it is to be a ger, because I know what it is to be a fugitive, a refugee, an alien, a convert, I know what it is. I know what it is to live in a foreign, hostile uh, city, country. Therefore, I will make sure to... uh, (laughs) Therefore, I will make sure to be able to nurture other people in this situation. This doesn't mean to endanger your safety. But it, it protecting one's safety should never be at the expense of empathy. Again, the same two extremes. <laughs> same two extremes. If there's a problem of criminals, of course, you have to be very cautious with it. You know, there's a concept of, of, of protecting yourself, protecting your family, protecting your borders, protecting your country. But that doesn't cancel ever out an appreciation 
of what different people go through on different journeys. How it has to be applied in every situation. You have to have a seichel ayasher together with empathy. So this is all the same concept. So that's the mites. So that's the chaff. So as long as the chaff is there, it serves a very, very vital purpose. It holds on to the secrets. Now here, we're talking it on a much, even on a much deeper and higher spiritual level. The, the experience of self in relation to Hashem relative to the deeper experience of, of complete oneness, of complete vittu. As uh, we shall continue. This is very, very special. In the mites, in the, in, in the shaft is the actual pills for serenity, for the growth. That is something much like what the how do you jump straight into this? I don't know. Let's do it somewhere. I also don't. Actually, you know, you're not, you go back to the moids and the hook. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, it's really the same thing. <laughs> Just a different lavush. Just a different lavush. Yeah. Nigla and Nister are mamash the same. It's just a different form. Here you speak in the language of souls and clippers and moids and tevan. And here you speak in Isis of Chametz, Matzah, Kavua, Roiv, Chazaka. It's the same concept. This is the time when I need to sit with myself and say, all right, let me sit it out. And look at the time the eye and let it... Yeah. In the next level is what you told us is with the Tiferes, which are, what is my soul really looking for? My soul is giving the body a message that I'm searching for food. For something to fulfill myself, but the body touches it also in food or different stuff. But what is it really looking for? What is it, what am I looking for? The pneumias, not the chitzonias. It's not just the fact that I'm looking for something else. Everybody has different purpose. The body touches us. Whenever you send out a message, I'm looking for the But the body knows the That's what it brings. Yeah. But if you let it sit out, you tell the the soul tells the brain, I'm really, really miserable. Something is bothering me. The brain says, Oh. So the goof says, they say that cake is very good. Not much tickle cake. It's trying to help. It's not trying to disturb. But if you tune in. If you tune in, yeah. You can actually reach You got to train it. You got to train it. You have to elevate it. You have to elevate it, yeah. It's not trying to do a person bad. It's just trying to survive, to help you survive. And the, the kernel is always in the chaff. That's the key. In the the clipper holds on to the it prote- it protects it it really protects it. Medication, it's right in there. It protects it, yeah. Like every fruit protects its seeds. One of the most amazing things of nature is to study how every fruit protects its seeds. It will not allow its seeds to go to waste easily. You'll take a peach. You ever noticed the the, the pit in a peach? Huh? Right, it's very hard. To, you ever tried cracking the pita pit of a peach? You'll break your teeth. It's almost impossible. Here's the fascinating thing: you put it into soil, you put it into the earth, it opens up. Because <laughs> in that pit, you have the seeds for the new peach tree, so it protects it until it goes into the earth. The earth opens it up. It's just a type of object. You put it into the earth. The earth opens it up. So now you have the seeds in the earth, a new peach tree. 
That's Pshat the Maisa Bereshis. Vayemer Lekim Tatsha Yaaretz Desha. Esav Mazriya Zera Eitz Pri Oisa Pri Leminoi. So Zaroi Boi Lemineu. So the the, the Klipa always protects its seeds in a very powerful way. The ability to reproduce, the ability to grow. You know, watermelon pit. I don't know if you know, notice all these funny things. They're very interesting. Remember, Victor Miller would always talk about this. <laughs> he loved talking about it. If you have a watermelon, right? Watermelon seeds. The black people on the stew for the summer. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the, the black watermelon seeds, or whatever color, green or black, right? they're slippery. They just have like a slippery uh, surface to them. Huh? He says there's a reason for it. Not stam. The reason is people eat watermelon usually in groups. It's a big watermelon, right? So the slipperiness, it slips off your hands and it slips off your tongue and it slips off the watermelon. And they're sitting outside and it falls into the earth. You can grow again. So the watermelon is created in a way that it should guarantee its reproduction. Every fruit has its own unique magic, that was a chilek of the Bria. It's a chilek of my Sabereshas. So that's the point, that the mites always protects the kernel. It's always there for the kernel. And the worst thing is when you detach the two. You have to always know there's a kernel here. And that's the whole purpose of the klipa. There's no other purpose to it. The whole purpose of the mites is for the kernel. So now imagine somebody comes and says, No, the mites is the ultimate purpose. You're losing sight of the klipa and of the pnimius. First of all, you're doing an injustice to the chaff, because the whole purpose of the chaff was to protect the kernel. So if you want to actually utilize the chaff in the right way, it's by nurturing the kernel. And of course you're doing injustice to the kernel. So the whole purpose of it is to protect it. It's inside it. Don't run away from it. That's where, that's where it is. And both are so valuable. So that's the point, yeah. Brother Miller speaks about uh, if Jason walked into the room, we'd all stand up. He says that in one of his sharing. What is your take on that? What's the left for no, I, I think what he meant was that Esav had, you know, Esav had tremendous, tremendous potential. He was a great, great soul. I mean, there was a long bird. I think he said, that, in other words, there's a level in Esav that we can't understand right. the way he's popular. Right, right, right. Just the fact we have to understand that he was, he was ge- the genetic outcome of Yitzchak and Rivka. You know, there wasn't the... Right. Uh, so he was, he had a great potential. Yeah. But it wasn't revealed in the way that it might have Yeah, been. that was the whole point, that he struggled in the womb. So my, the explanation we gave was that he understood the struggle as an invitation to sin. And really the struggle was an invitation for growth. So it's sort of you said putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. He made an idol out of the temptation. He made an idol out of the klipa. He made an idol out of the moites. When really it, it was very valuable, but its value is that it's protecting something inside of it. So don't don't lose that. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.